Galesburg, which is 200 miles west of here. And since the time that I came here, well, I think I joined the church about a year after I uh, first came. But um, in that five years since he passed away and I've been here, I've become a writer and a speaker and um, a blogger, sort of. But anyway, um, during that time, that's, that's when all these things have happened, and I've just had all kinds of adventures and travels and all kinds of things God has done in my life in these last five years. But last year, I went to a Christian writers' conference, and I already had two published books, so I thought I knew everything, of course. But the interesting thing about writing the book is that's just the beginning because then you have to get people to read it, you have to do a lot of things to promote it. And so I went to this conference wanting to learn more about that. And one of the things they told us is that we need to have a brand or a tagline, a little short phrase that summarizes who we are and what we do, everything we write, all of our books, any articles, any blog posts, anything, any speaking, engagements, we needed to have a little tagline that would summarize all of that. And I had thought maybe mine was that I help people get more out of their relationship with God because I definitely try to do that and I have lots of opportunities to do that through my books. But every blog post I write doesn't tell you how to get more out of your relationship with God. Sometimes they're just little encouraging. In fact, usually they're just little encouraging messages. And so I prayed about it and this lady who's a professional uh, coach and a writer and everything. We worked on it for a while. And finally, I came up with discovering God's goodness in everyday life. And that does summarize everything I write, everything I speak about, everything I do, whether I'm at the grocery store, talking to the neighbor next door, um, driving my car, whatever. I'm always discovering God's goodness in everyday life because that's where it is. You know, we don't have to go with some big out. Like, it's awesome where Pastor Steve and Jody are right now. It's just gorgeous there. And they're seeing the magnificence of God's creation, and they're feeling God's goodness. But you don't have to do that. God's goodness is in our everyday lives. And so that's what I am trying to communicate. And um, I'm going to talk to you about my latest adventure, which is a perfect example of how God's goodness just operates in everyday life. And the reason I'm doing it isn't to talk about me. I have thousands of stories about how God has done things in my life, life, but it's, it's not about me. It's about him and his goodness. And in Revelation 19.10, it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when I give you this testimony of what Jesus has done, this is prophecy. And prophetic message is encouraging Um, edifying and exhorting. And so I'm doing all of that as I tell this story. So this is a prophetic word because it's it's the prophecy, word of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. So anyway, just so that you know how important this every word I say is. (laughs) No, but anyway, I want to start by putting a scriptural framework to this. And so the scripture that has been just running Uh, through my mind and has been on my heart a lot lately is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And actually, I want to start with Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
which hopefully we're going to see that in a few seconds. Okay, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not in yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, so the first time I, you know, when you hear a scripture sometimes for the first time, maybe you hear it when you're very young or even before you were a Christian, you hear this, hear it, or when you're a new Christian, and it has a certain meaning to you, and you have a certain interpretation of it. And so as you read it over and over and over, because every time you read through the Bible, you come to it again, you kind of look at it that way, unless you get some new revelation on it. And so this scripture I first heard when I was in junior high. I was not a believer. I had a friend who was a Christian, and she invited me to a little rally thing at her church. And the speaker talked about that scripture. And he said, does anybody know what grace is? And we're all kind of, so he gave us a definition, unmerited favor. I didn't understand what that meant, but I didn't want anybody to know I didn't understand what it meant, so I just kind of kept that definition always in my head, that grace is unmerited favor. And as I became older and came to know the Lord, I began to kind of understand what that meant. And then he said, and what is it that is not of ourselves? And so the answer we came up with was that we were saved by grace through faith, and that faith was not in ourselves, because we can't save ourselves. And so that was the way I understood the verse for a long time, until somebody, I don't remember who or when exactly, but taught that it's actually the salvation itself that is the gift of God, and that we can't earn the salvation because it's a free gift. And so, anyway, um, I think it's important to understand what grace is and understand what faith is before we go on into my fun story. Um, grace is a gift, freely given by God. That's one of the dictionary definitions that I found online. Um, a gift freely given by God. And faith is the tool that we use for accessing faith, and I'll show you what I mean. God freely gives, but we have to take. That's true of any gift. Suppose I came up to you and I said, you know, I know you have always admired this necklace that I'm wearing, and, and I, I, I want you to have it as a gift. And I hold it out to you and you say, oh, I have always loved that necklace. That is so beautiful. Oh, you're giving that to me as a gift. And then you walk away. And you might even tell somebody else, you know, Judy gave me this necklace. It's a gift from Judy. And they're like, well, where is it? Because you never took it. If you don't receive, if something is given and you don't receive it, the transaction isn't complete. And I think we do that with a lot of the gifts that God has for us, healing and you know, we, I think most everybody in here is saved, but so you receive that gift, but we, he has a lot more things for us always, always more than we're able or willing to receive, I think he has to give to us. But the transaction isn't complete. We don't walk in it until we take it and acknowledge that, that he's given it to us and we receive it. So one example of that, did, did you guys enjoy hearing Charlotte play the keyboard this morning? Yeah, well, 
you know, that Charlotte has a gift. She has a gift of music. And this is a gift that was, I don't know where she is, but this was a gift that was freely given to her by God. And she knew it. She started playing the keyboard, actually, when she was nine years old. So she knew that she had this gift, and she wanted it to be for glorifying God. I don't know at exactly what point in her life she chose to do it, for it to be that. But anyway, the point is, she had this gift, and she knew. And she asked God to develop this gift of music in her. But after she prayed that and asked that, she didn't just sit in front of the TV and say, Thank you, God, for the gift of music. Thank you, God, for developing the gift of music. How are we coming along, God? I'm, I, don't, I don't see anything happening. What did she have to do? She had to go to the keyboard and play and let him develop that in her at the keyboard. You don't just sit and think good thoughts. She didn't just sit and think good thoughts about having a gift of music. She had to put it into practice. She had to access it by playing the keyboard. And that's the way it is with any gift. But once we are willing to accept the gift, God has already decided he wants us to have it. I mean, he just wants us to have good things. He has so many good things lined up for us that we have no clue about. And he's just sitting there waiting for the opportunity for us, that we will reach out and take it. So salvation is a gift. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I just love that. Those two verses right there, I, actually, if you know those, you understand, and if you understand those, you know the gospel because that epitomizes the gospel. It's like the gospel in a nutshell. We're saved by grace, free gift, through faith, receiving it. And it's not our doing. He's provided the gift. He gives us the faith. We don't even, in our natural mind, we don't even have the faith to receive it. That's even from him. So that's, the, that's uh, pretty good. And it's a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. We cannot do enough to save ourselves. And I think everybody in here seems to me like, I mean, I, I know pretty much who all of you, and you know that. But... Um, then we come to Ephesians 2.10. Next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some versions say that he foreordained that we should walk in them. But here we're talking about works. Now, wait a minute. I thought it was by grace. Now we're talking about works? So I would like, at your tables, I would like you to talk about what this means. What does it mean to you? And just share with the other people at your table. I'm going to give you four minutes to do it. What does it mean to walk in the works, the good works that God has prepared for us? What does that mean? Your turn.
20 seconds left. 20 seconds. Usually, when people start talking about this topic, I couldn't really, I tried to eavesdrop, but I really couldn't hear anybody. <laughs> but um, usually when people talk about this topic, they start thinking about all the things that we ought to be doing in order to be good Christians, you know, that God has prepared, you know, and told us to do, kind of like. So, uh, but, but as I thought about this, I began to kind of look at it differently. And I saw a connection between this verse and the and being in a state, continual state of walking in the blessing. And which is where we all want to be. Okay? And uh, am, am I too close? Is this too close to my cheek or something? Okay. All right. Well, anyway... We know that we are new creations in Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that, that everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And then it tells us here why we were created for good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Okay? But the important thing here that I never saw until really very recently, and I've been reading this verse forever and quoting it a lot forever, but I, I realize that it says these good works are prepared for us. Not for us to do, but to walk in. And so, think about it this way. Think about um, if I prepare a meal for you. I say, come on over to my house for dinner. And I prepare a meal for you. And I set the table, and I put food on the table, and we sit down. And then you get up and start cooking, trying to prepare what I've already prepared. And, and I think sometimes we think we have to do things for God. And he's really not interested in us doing things for him. He wants to do things through us. He wants to do things for us and in us. He doesn't want us to do things for him. He wants human beings, not human doings, one person said. And so when we get to a point where we understand that the good works are already established, that he's already done it. I mean, what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it is finished. He's already done the work. There are things we need to do. I mean, yes, we need to brush our teeth. He doesn't do that for us. And we need to uh, figure out our, you know, balance our checkbook and, and take care of our money and things like that. Yes. But I kind of, you know, I kind of got to looking at my calendar and my to-do list a little bit differently because I started to see that I was the master of that list and that calendar, that it wasn't my master, that I wasn't a slave to it. And I started thinking of it as a tool to help me to do what God sets up for me to do. And 
So there, there's a uh, scripture, and I don't know if we actually have it here or not, um, Proverbs 16, 9. I don't know if we put it in. Do we have that? Yeah, okay. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Okay, so we have a calendar, and we have a to-do list, and we have things that we routinely do every day or every week or whatever. But we need to always be holding those things loosely. We've made our plans, but we need to be holding those plans loosely so that the Holy Spirit can say, you need to call this person right now. Or you might, I, I had, had things on my list where I, I kept looking up, I have to do that, I need, I need to do that. Oh, I need to remember to do that. And it just never felt like the right time. And suddenly something happened and I didn't even have to do that because it just became unnecessary. So if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit instead of to our calendars and to-do lists, we'll have an easier life. But I want to share about something that actually happened to me where th that's a perfect example of what happens when you walk in the flow of blessings. Because when you walk in the flow of blessings, you are in the right place at the right time. Not only that, but other people are in the right place at the right time. Everything falls into place. It's not always, I mean, it's not like there's never any glitches, but you experience a lot of this, you know, things just working out right. Okay, well, here's what happened to me. This is not about me. <laughs> As you'll see, I could not have ever engineered this. I mean, this was just God. Okay, y you know I've been going to Arizona every winter for the last few years. Actually, um, for the last three years, the first year I stayed there for two months and I came home and that just wasn't enough time down there. So, and it was still winter when I got back at first of March, you know. So I thought, all right, I'm going to stay through March. So the second year I stayed for three months, which was fine at the end of the thing because winter was almost over when I got home. But winter had started long before I left to go down there, and I didn't care for that. I, winter is just not my favorite thing. And so uh, the third year, I went down there for five months. I went down in November, went there for five months. And that worked out really well. That seemed to be a nice length of time. And I just kind of, I was so happy with that, and I just thought, you know, I, well, that's called being a snowbird. And I thought, okay, I'm a five-month snowbird. And I just assumed that that's what God had planned for me to be for the rest of, you know, as long as I could do it. And, um, but, th but that last year when I was down there, kind of in the middle of the winter, I, I met lots of people who live there year-round. And, and I would say, oh, that just sounds so nice. It sounds so much easier than this back-and-forth stuff. You know, that it's expensive, and it's, it's time-consuming, this back-and-forth stuff. And they said, well, you know, we were snowbirds, and, and finally we just decided we belonged here. We felt more comfortable here than, than up north, and, and uh, so we bought a house here, and now we live here year-round. And we go back and visit once in a while, but we live here. And... And I, and at first I just thought that was, yeah, well, that's kind of cool. But then the more of these people I talked to, the more I thought, you know, kind just kind of a wistful feeling when they were talking, not like, ooh, I want that, you know, but just kind of, oh, that's 
sounds like it would be really nice. And so I started saying, you know, one of these years, I'm going to do that. I'm going to move down here full time. Of course, my kids won't like it. And that was a big factor because my husband and I had moved to Galesburg in uh, 2004, and they were not happy about that. They thought we, you know, and we probably, you know, I mean, the grandkids were little growing up, and we had to, uh, but we came home a lot to see them, but they were not happy with us when we moved. And so I thought, well, I don't want to go through that again. But then somewhere in the middle of the spring time, like, I don't know, maybe maybe early March or something, I was talking with my daughter on the phone, and um, she, she is a life coach. So every now and then she'll throw a question at me that sounds to me like she's life coaching me. And, and this time she said, I was talking about how much fun I was having down there and how nice the weather was and all these other things. And, she's, and, and I, had found, I found a really good church there. And, you know, I was just telling her about how happy I was when I was there. And she said, well, if you could live wherever you wanted to, and, you know, there wa- and money wasn't an issue, and, you know, there was no other considerations but just what you really want for yourself, where would you live? And I said, oh, I would live here in Arizona. And then in the summer, when it's really, really hot here, I would go to Colorado. And she said, well, why don't you do that? And I said, well, because you're here, you're there in Illinois. And she said, well, you know, we're not going to be here forever. When we retire, we probably won't stay here. And, And I know that my son and his family are planning to move to Arizona when he retires, or at least to be there part of the time. So, um, so I thought, hmm. I said, you wouldn't be mad at me if I moved down there? And she said, no, you should do what makes you happy. So um, I, uh, I guess I had that in the back of my mind, sort of. Well, then on March 29th, now I was coming home April 10th, which I did. I came home April 10th, and I had everything set up. And on March 29th, my son and his family came uh, to Arizona for spring break because his in-laws have a place there. And so they wanted to see where I was living, and they came to uh, take me out to breakfast. And so on the way to the restaurant, I said, I want you to drive through with just, let's just drive through this little area in here. I live in a, okay, I live in this park. They call it a park. It isn't a park. It's a gated community. They call them a park because I guess people used to live in trailer parks at once upon a time down there, all the snowbirds. And so uh, any community is a park. So anyway, um, I said there's this little condo um, condo uh, area that I just learned about this winter, and I'd like you to see it because I'm thinking some day, some year, when I move down here full time, this is where I want to be. And so this is a map. We drove through there, and um, okay, so we drove through. Big deal, you know. And we went to bre- and they said, oh yeah, this is really nice. Went to breakfast. In the middle of the breakfast, my son said, Mom, you know that area we looked at? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you don't want to be on the south side. Now, this map is oriented south, north. So, okay, see that whole row on there on East Fountain Cove that's, that's on the south side of the street? 
He says, you don't want to be there because all of those sliding glass doors are facing south, and in the summertime, it will be very hard to cool the place. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's probably right. And then he said, see how on the ends, see where those back porches are facing? He said, they're looking at other buildings. You don't want to sit on your back porch. You're gonna, he says, you're probably going to live out there a lot of the time. You don't want to be looking at other people's back porches or, you know, other buildings and I, or a wall or something. And I said, that's true. So he said, you really want to be on the north. And, and if you notice, on the left side there, um, there are buildings across the street on the other side of Coral Bell Avenue. And Coral Bell is a main street that runs through the park. Well, anyway, notice how many of those ones on the north side of the street, their back door is actually facing other buildings. And when they sit out on their porch, they're looking at other apartments across the street. So he said, I want to drive back through there and show you which units you should look at. And so we drove back through, and he said, you know, you need to get these house numbers, and then, then you need to talk to a realtor and let them know what addresses you want, because these probably don't come up for sale very often. There was one unit for sale as we drove through there, but it faced, that guy had a wonderful view of the pickleball court wall. I didn't want that. So anyway, I was busy. I was getting ready to come back home. And I was having all my last lunch with this person and the last time at Starbucks with that one and, and uh, packing, making my lists and packing and making sure I didn't forget anything. And so I had, I had kind of a long to-do list. And on Saturday, that was Wednesday when my son came to visit. Well, on Saturday, I had this list and I thought, you know what, why don't I just do the phone calls? because I can, then I can cross a bunch of things off the list and it'll look less, like less stuff to do. And so one of those calls was to the realtor who is a uh, manager. She manages the house that I was renting. And so I called her to find out, where do you want me to leave the keys? Because I swear to you, every time I was down there, she wanted me to do things differently. And so I wasn't gonna just um, assume anything. So I called her to get you know, to work out all these details and things. And then we were just kind of chatting about inconsequential stuff. And then I, we were about ready to hang up. I think we had already done the things that you kind of say when you're in the process of hanging up, you know. And I said, oh, you know, by the way, one of these years, not right now, but in the future, I would like to move down here full time, I think. And she said, oh, really? Did you want to be here in fountain of the sun and I said yeah and she said well did you want a condo or a house and I said well I, I want a condo she said well have you looked around at the different condo complexes to see what they you know what they look like and how they feel and everything and I said oh yeah I said I want to be in Fountain Cove because this last year that I was down there I joined a ladies fellowship group that met in one of the units there in Fountain Cove and I got to meet a lot of people who lived in Fountain Cove and they were all Christians I mean it was really like five or six ladies who were Christians. And so I said, oh, yeah, I already know some people in there, and it's, that, that's where I'd like to be. And she got really quiet. And I thought, what did I say wrong? You know, how when somebody just kind of does that, you think. But she said, 
she said, well, there's a unit that just became available two days ago. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, but I want to be on the north side of the street, and I don't want to be facing other buildings. I want the back porch to look out. I don't want, I don't want it to be facing other apartments. So if you go to the next slide, that's the back view of this unit that she had. That's taken from the back porch of the unit. That's the golf club building over there. There's green area, then Coral Bell Avenue, and then the putting green. So I am not looking at other buildings, you know. And so I thought, well, that is too good to be true. So I, I, took, I took a picture. Well, she said, okay, then she said, I don't know if I can get you in to see it or not before you leave because there's renters in there and they aren't leaving until the 15th and I know you're going on the 10th. But if I can get in there to show it to you, would you like to see it? And I said, yeah. And this is one of these things where, you know, at first you don't even realize anything <laughs> special is happening, you know. And uh, so anyway, I said, yes, I'd like to see it. And so she set up, a, she said, well, I'll see what happens. Well, the, the following Thursday, now I'm leaving on Monday, and this is Thursday, um, she was able, the people who were staying there were going to the Grand Canyon, and they said they didn't mind if while they were gone, she showed the condo, because they knew the lady was going to sell it. What happened was the lady had bought, this lady lives in Pennsylvania, and she's in her 80s, and she bought the unit eight years ago because her son lived in that area, and she wanted to move there down there to be near him but she never quite got her act together to move and um, two years after she bought the unit her son passed away so after that she didn't even have the heart to really come down and visit let alone to to try to live there so she just but she also didn't have the heart to part with it you know it was just a big, big burden but she was able to make the payments because the rent brought in more money than her payments, and so she just kind of let it go. And um, on uh, during the week when my son came to visit me, well, oh, I can't tell you that yet. Okay, so she um, had uh, that. That was a story on the thing. So anyway, we went and looked at the place, and I went out on the back porch and took the picture to show my son. But I was not impressed with the unit. I, I didn't, it just didn't, you know how, well, I don't know if you know, um, this is my friend, Marsha, and she's a realtor, and she, when we moved to Highland Park, she showed us oh, dozens, I think, of houses, and we went into so many things that were just, you know, and you try to figure, how can we make this work? And then we walked in one house, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and we said, now this is a house, and that's what we ended up buying. Well, because you kind of have a feeling about a place when you walk in it. Well, I didn't have that when I walked in this one. And I was surprised because I thought, well, this is a God set up. You know, by that time it kind of looked like one of those. And, and I didn't feel that. And I was a little bit kind of just, I don't know. But I t did take a picture and send it to my son saying, this is the view, do you approve of this? And he's, oh, man, Mom, that's so awesome. I said, you can't really see the mountains from there. But if I walk 10 steps away from my porch, I can see the mountains. I can see them anytime I want to see them. And so um, I went home, and I felt just, I was like, 
you know, everybody that knew I was going to go look at this, because they're like, what, you know, what did you think? And I said, oh, it was okay. I didn't really say I didn't like it, but I didn't say I did. But I told the realtor I'd get in touch with her. Well, the next morning, I, and before I went to sleep, I prayed, and I said, Lord, this looks like you set it all up for me, but why is it then that I don't like it? I know you don't play tricks on people, so there's just got to be some thing here. And I went to sleep next morning. I woke up, and before I even opened my eyes, I saw the inside of that place. I saw it with my paint colors, with my furniture, and my pictures on the wall, and it was beautiful. And I had not been able to look past some of the furniture and stuff that wasn't even going to be mine anyway to see the actual, all the features and things that were in it. So I called the realtor and I said, I would really like to take pictures of the inside so that I can, you know, take them home with me for, to plan furniture placement and stuff. This moving to one place that's that far away and trying to plan is a logistical, interesting situation. So anyway, um, she said, well, um, we can go this afternoon. I'll pick you up. And so she came and got me. And we went over there. Well, guess what? Battery was low on my phone. And if an iPhone, I did not know this, but if an iPhone has 20% power, it will not take pictures. It'll let you see what's there, but when you push the thing, it doesn't click. It doesn't take a picture. And I said, I can't take pictures. My phone battery is run down. And she said, well, I'll take the pictures, and then I'll text them to you. I said, okay, that's fine. So we went, walked around, and, and she took all these pictures. And um, by that time, I was really kind of excited about the whole thing. Because here I was, you know, and she said, you know, this is an end unit. And the end units are bigger. They have the better floor plan. Um, there aren't very many because there's only one on each end of these longer buildings, which you could see on the map. I should have pointed that out while we had the map up. But anyway, she said, this is, this is an end unit, and these hardly ever go on the market. And she said, I wasn't even going to put this one on the market because I knew I could find somebody to buy it. But she said, you called me. And so I decided to show it to you. And she said, i got to tell you something else. Well, see, because I, because I couldn't just take the pictures and then go home, she had to come back to my house and sit down and, and text them to me because she was afraid she'd forget if, I was, if she wasn't sitting right in front of me. She's a very busy lady. So we were sitting at my dining room table and just kind of talking as she's transferring these pictures, make sure each one went through. And she says, I just have to tell you something. She said, you know, last week, which is when my son was there visiting, that same time frame, she said, I had a dream about the owner and her son. And she said, I hadn't talked to her for a while. And she said, it wasn't any special kind of a dream, but she said, I woke up dreaming about them, and I thought, gee, you know, I haven't talked to her for a while. Maybe I ought to give her a call and see how she is. And so she called, and the owner said, um... I'm glad you called because I've been thinking about calling you, which it could have been months later that she actually made the call because she, was, she isn't one of these people that jumps right on things. And, uh, and so Kim said, well, what, you know, what's going on? And she said, well, I've decided it's time to sell the unit. Two days later, I call. And so 
that's kind of the story. So on that was on Friday that we went back and took the pictures. On Saturday, I made the offer, and she said, okay, well, I'll talk to the owner. And I didn't hear anything for a couple days, but um, on Monday morning, well, on Monday afternoon, I was walking to my gate in Phoenix Airport, and I got a text, and I looked to see what it was, and she said, the owner has accepted your offer. And I go, ah! you know, and I, I don't know if people noticed it or not. <laughs> so, um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't help it. <laughs> And so, so that now it closed. I closed on it on uh, May 31st, and I didn't want to try to sell my condo here until I knew for sure that I owned one there, because things happen. Life is weird. So, so I. That, I hope that's not my phone. It could be. Oh no, I turned the sound off. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, Maybe I didn't turn the sound. Is it ringing over there? Oh, okay. All right, well, so anyway, um, so the next question after I told people, oh, I bought a place down there, they're like, well, when are you moving? And I said, well, I have to sell my condo first. I don't know how long that's going to take. But I called my friend, who is a realtor, who's Marcia here, and I said, I want to list my condo for sale. And so we, she did all the comps. Well, this is before we even closed, before I even closed on the other one, she had already done the comps. So I called and I said, we're ready, I'm ready to roll. And so we made an appointment for Thursday morning and, uh, of last week. And she came, but on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday, my neighbor across the hall, Pete, happened to be talking to the secretary treasurer of the uh, condo, and a condo association, and he said, and the, the secretary treasurer was telling him about some people who were looking for a uh, unit in our building. And they had tried to buy this one unit, and, and it had fallen through somehow. And he says, I sure wish we had another unit to offer them. They're such nice people. And Pete said, well, I don't think I'm really supposed to tell you this yet, but Judy is probably going to be wanting to sell her unit because she's bought a place in Arizona. And so... The secretary, Jeff, got us together, me together with some people, who, the people who live in the building, a younger couple who, um, it's her mother and dad that want a condo in the building. And so they put me in touch with her, and she came and looked, and she liked it. So then she called her mother and said, you've got to see this place. So the, so the parents came, and they looked at it, and they, I couldn't tell if they liked it or not. The daughter was ready to roll, but they were kind of, I think they were a little gun-shy because of this bad thing that had just happened with this other house. But um, they came back in the afternoon to measure, and Marsha was there too, and they brought their realtor, well, that was that maybe the next day. Anyway, they came, measured everything, they were walking around like, ooh, daddy's cabinet will fit there. And I mean, it was like you kind of got the impression that they already decided they were going to buy it, and they were just trying to figure out where they were going to put things and stuff. So we felt really good about it. And last Monday, um, we signed the contract, and they're buying it. Now, I just got to tell you a little thing, because God has... <laughs> he, he, he's amazing, and he puts these things... He, he puts these deals together, you know... I mean, he's very smart, and he weaves things together, and he puts people in the right place at the right time. I mean, the fact that my neighbor, I mean, 
that my neighbor happened, just happened to take his recycling down when Jeff just happened to be coming home from someplace. And there they were both in the garage and said, hi, hi, you know, next thing you know, they're putting a real estate showing together almost, you know. And, but the people who are buying my condo, their name is Knox. And her name is Judy Ann, just like mine. She has my name. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about our mail. I mean, it's going, there, there may be a little complication. If you, it's, when I move and I give you my change of address, please make a note of it because otherwise someone else may get the letter. You know, it's going to be a little bit weird, but I'm sure God has a plan for that. I mean, there's, some, there's something. And I, I mean, God is just, he's just so amazing. And this stuff happens so fast. I mean, bam, bam, bam. You know, I didn't even have time to get excited about one thing before the next thing happened. And after the, yeah, after we, you know, settled this and everything, after the, we signed the contract that afternoon, I found myself just I, just, I was just going like this, and I was just laughing. I was laughing because it was just so amazing. But that's the flow of the blessings. And so I learned, you know, when I started to really understand this one scripture, I learned that I shouldn't be, because I had been taught or told or somebody along the way had suggested that I should ask in the morning, Lord, what good works do you have prepared for me today? Thinking, what good things do you want me to do today? But instead, now I just say, Lord, I am just excited to see what good works you have set up, what you've set up for me to walk in. Because, I mean, this was just a thing. I mean, I just walked in it. Doors opened and I walked through. We have to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Or we'll miss some of these little um, coincidences. People call them coincidences. And they are because coincidence just means two unrelated things that come together. So there are such, you know, coincidences are a real thing, but I don't think they're random. I think they're God things, you know. So um, I had a couple of scriptures that I wanted to look at. I don't want to keep us here. It's only 10 minutes till 12, though, so I got a couple more minutes. Um, Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4, because it really ties in. It says, Okay, this is how you stay in the flow of the blessings, just in case you don't already know. I think most of you do, but trust in the Lord and do good. Okay, that's the first part. Then I hope I have the right version there. Yes, because in some versions it says different things, but in the New American Standard it says, is that what I have, New American Standard? Well, anyway, whatever version it is, it says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Well, the land is wherever we happen to be, you know. And so this applies to a church. I mean, this is what Epicenter needs to do. We're here. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And cultivate means watering, getting rid of the weeds, taking care of a thing so that it can grow. So we cultivate faithful. Faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit that can be cultivated. That's me banging my chin. Sorry about that. Chin wagging. Um, so cultivating faithfulness, I think, I think is really important 
that when God shows us what he wants us to do, that we're faithful to go and do it. I think that when we have made a commitment to do something or be somewhere, we need to be faithful to do it. I think that it, there's a lot of different ways that faithfulness expresses itself. And we, and we need to cultivate that in our spirits because I don't think that it's something that just we are naturally born with. I think it is a Holy Spirit, it's a fruit of the Spirit, faith, but faithfulness, you know. And then the second part, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, this is how I think that works. Anyway, it's how it seems to be working for me these days, and I think this is how it works. He puts a desire in our hearts, and then he fulfills us. It doesn't mean he, anything we think of that we might think we want, he's just going to do it for us. I, that's not what it means. I think what it means is that as we dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness and delight in him, he will put desires in our heart. And we may not even notice them at first. I mean, the first two times I went to Arizona, I was only down there for a couple of weeks. I just went for a, uh, a gospel truth seminar. But I really liked it there. And that was why I told my sister, who owns the income property down there, I said, if you get a vacancy in your house or your condo, let me know. I might be interested. And a couple, well, I suppose about a month later, she had a vacancy in her house. They didn't expect, you know, they thought all of, both of their renters were there for a long time. And, and then when I was there for two months, I wanted three, one, three, I wanted five. You know, I more and more wanted to be there. And, you know, I'm not unhappy here. I mean, this is the land. This is my land where I've been cultivating faithfulness, and I love it here. I really do. I love my condo. I love my church. I love the friends that I've made, and my family is here. I'm not unhappy here, but he just put that, he just was tugging me towards Arizona all the time. And so he put that desire in my heart that I finally began to realize, yeah, I would, you know, that would be so nice. I never asked him to get me to Arizona full time. I never asked for that. But I did say, Lord, <laughs> that sounds really nice. But the desire was there, and then click, 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 and next thing you know, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to miss a lot of things about here. And I've late, last two, three days, I've been thinking a lot about all the things I'm going to miss, which is surprising me because <laughs> I don't know. But, and, and that's kind of sad, but I'm not sad. But I use Charlotte and her keyboard as an example, too. She dwelled in the land and cultivated faithfulness in practicing and learning. And she has never taken a lesson and that song, that, that last song that we played, that Jesus, uh, Holy and Anointed One, she never heard it before in her life. And we were playing it in, pra in practice Wednesday night. We were just doing our music. And when we finished, the Lord brought that song to Shannon's mind. And she just started singing it. And some of us knew what it was. And so we started singing it with her. And Charlotte is like, and I, I'm trying to pick it out on the cello. And Charlotte was fine. And finding the chords, you know, and, and, and she can just do that. I mean, it's just amazing. It's a gift that God has given her. But she was faithful, and she delighted in him, and she told him, I only want to do this to glorify you. And so he's just blessed her, and, he, and so I don't know what new desires he's put in her heart, but whatever they are, he's going to fulfill them. So 
that's it, kind of. The last scripture I was going to share is one that you all know, which is Matthew 6, 33, which is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And that is, that's, that's what God has done in my life. And I just, I'm not sharing these things, you know, to talk about myself, but I just, I love to talk about God's goodness, how good he is, and how reliable he is to come through when, even when things look a little funny. Um, I don't know yet what his plan is for this Judy A. Knox and Judy A. Knox thing, but it's <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be interesting. So let's just pray really quick here. Father, we just thank you that we can walk in the blessings that we can walk in those good works that you've already prepared for us to walk in. We thank you that all we have to do is receive, that you've already given, and we can just receive and walk, that you open doors and we walk through them, that you have so many things set up for us that we can't even imagine. And we just thank you that we're learning to walk in them every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Judy. That was uh, a real blessing. And, you know, none of us knows quite from day to day where our journey is actually going to end up taking us. But, you know, God just says, you know what? I've got the plan. You just come on board, and it's going to be a time of uh, great blessing. So we are so thankful that uh, Judy has, uh, you know, been willing to go through and to share that part of her journey. And let us remember that we are all part of God's family and that he has plans, great things for us today. So let's go forth now and, and join, uh, you know, his Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, it's your plan. Let's go through and, you know, walk uh, together in it. Uh, if anyone is desiring prayer at the conclusion of service today, come on up. We'll be glad to go through and to speak words uh, over you and for you. So, Father, we are just so thankful for your blessing here today, Lord, from the very beginning of of worship time and practice this morning where, um, you know, as Judy shared, the, the, the overwhelming presence of your love. So we um, just want to go through and to share that with all people, Lord, so that we go through and share the glory, the love uh, of your, uh, of the Father with all that we meet in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Go forth and enjoy the day. Oh, yeah, tables. We have to move tables and chairs. Thank you, Shannon, for reminding me. <laughs>